Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey everybody, this is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. In today's episode, we're going to have a good one here. We're going to take an email from a listener who has actually gone back in time and listened to about 278 podcast episodes. He goes back to when I was calling the trading block, the splash zone. And he also noticed that over time, my approach to trading and some of my strategies have gradually changed. So this is a great opportunity to talk about the evolution of a trader, evolving as a trader. So for a good Florida redneck name today, we're going to call this guy Houston. I've come across many Houstons and my adventures in the deep South. So Houston writes, I was listening back through all of your podcast episodes. I'm all the way back to the splash zone days. It seems back then your strategies were slightly different than they are now. For instance, in one episode, you mentioned that you will never take partial profits. You are either 100% in or 100% out of a position. In another episode, you mentioned that you like to hedge your positions if you thought the market might turn. For example, you could be holding SQQQ and TQQQ at the same time, making a net a zero while waiting for the market to pick a direction. Could you explain possibly what you learned that made you retire these old strategies and what makes the new strategies better? Thanks, Houston. All right, Houston, I appreciate the email. What am I drinking? This is going to be a little bit depressing. I'm drinking water. But I'm going to put a little twist on this, okay? Now, there's nothing special about the water. Water's Kirkland Signature Purified Water. You get this stuff at Costco's. It's dirt cheap, I think, for like 24 of them or something. You pay like four or five bucks. We go through them fast in this house. But I'm getting some blood work done in the wee hours of the morning, and I'm not allowed to do anything but drink water. Can't have any bourbon because that might throw the tests off. And it goes back to when I was doing the health wellness check, and I ate three cookies a couple hours beforehand that my daughter had made. Yes, three of them. And it sent my triglycerides to like levels of over 400. So got the wife a little bit nervous. Got her worries. I said, Brian, you got to go do a real blood test. You got to get this done right. So I agreed. I'm going to go do the blood test, but I can't eat, can't make any eggs or eat any cheese and crackers before I go to bed at night, man, and definitely can't drink any bourbon. So, ah. <sighs> So my drink of choice tonight is going to be Kirkland water. Now, I'm not going to get into the description of what it tastes like or notes or anything like that for obvious reasons. But what it made me think about is, is that what rating do I give water in a way that anything below the score that I give water is stuff that I would rather drink water than drink bourbon. And anything above the score I'm going to give water would be things that I would prefer bourbon over water. So you follow me? Below a certain score, I would rather have water than a bad bourbon. Above a certain score, I would always rather prefer bourbon over water. Now, I've had some pretty bad bourbons in the past that I've done on this podcast. And I went back and looked at my scores and looked back at some of the really bad bourbons and even some that were like not horrible, but not great either. And what would I make the cutoff at? And I came up with 4.3. By giving this water that I'm drinking tonight a 4.3, essentially any bourbon that I give a score to and it's not above 4.3, I would rather drink water. I'd rather be hydrated. And so there's a number of bourbons over the years that I've given a score of 4.3 or less to. For instance, Hayes Parker Bourbon. 
don't like it. I gave it a 4.1. That was podcast 250. Now you got Agitator Bourbon. I gave it a 4.6. If I had to choose between the two, I would choose Agitator Bourbon. Basil Hayden, I gave a 5.0. I'd rather have Basil Hayden than water. So now we have a new category. Would I rather have water or bourbon? There's also the everyday sipper, the weekday sipper, and the weekend sipper. And we don't have to get into all those definitions today. But for the purposes of going forward rating some of these bourbons, if it's not over a 4.3, I don't want to drink it. All right. So we have that out of the way. Let's get back to Houston and his email. So he's correct. I have changed some of my strategies over the years. And there's even strategies that I'm looking at implementing into my trading strategy going forward that I'm still working on, still playing with, getting more comfortable with. It's kind of like crypto, right? Crypto comes along. You'd be foolish not to try it out and at least see if this is something that might work for you. I've traded crypto. I've dabbled in it. I don't think it's really necessarily at a place that I want to be trading it right now. But the point is, is that it's worth trying different things, trying to see whether something can actually make you a better trader. So the first one is about not taking partial profits. I was either 100% in or 100% out. I was never taking partial profits. And I wasn't scaling into a position. That was very true. A lot of that changed with commissions. I don't like to have commissions eating into my trades. Now, commissions don't play a huge role in my trades, but still, nonetheless, you take 250 trades and let's say out of those 250 trades, you make about 400 different trades and you're paying... I don't know what it was back in the day, but let's say it's $10 a trade. That's $4,000 on commissions. Now you can save yourself an extra $1,500 just by going all in and all out. Not all in being like your entire account on one position, but 100% of your position size in, 100% of your position size out. Now, some of you guys may disagree with my approach to trading in that manner back then, and that's okay. I've actually changed. So I do get all in. I don't like to scale into a position. I'm either not in it or I'm completely in at a full position when I initially get in. If the stock goes against me, I don't have like additional capital that I'm going to throw at it. No. Or if it goes up, I'm not going to scale into it that way either. But what I will do is when I plan out my trade and when I'm up, let's say seven or 8% on the trade and I have a stop loss of like three and a half, well, then I've already made two to one on that trade. So I'll go ahead and take maybe a third off of the table. And then if the stock continues to go up, let's say it goes up to 10 or 11%, then I got about a three to one return and I'll take another third off. And then I'll let that last third or that last quarter, depending on how aggressively I'm taking the profits, I will let that one run a little bit longer and further because it's such a smaller position size. I'm at a place to where I can let that trade run for a while. Now, when I was doing all in and then all out, it's a lot more difficult to say, hey, I got a stock that's up 11%, becomes a lot more troublesome to continue to hold on to that stock, especially if it goes from like 11% back down to 5%. But if you were taking some at 7% and another at 10% and you're down to the last third, yeah, you can let that one run a little bit longer, a little bit further. And if it comes back down and you take like a 3% profit on that final third, okay, so be it. But all of that will be offset by the fact that you took some really good, strong profits along the way. And then you can oftentimes realize far bigger gains by taking partial profits along the way, or at least that's what I was able to find from my style of trading. And that maybe I take a third off at 7% when I have about 7% in profits, another third when I'm up about 12% in profits. And these percentages aren't like etched in stone. These aren't like the ones that I take at every single time. A lot of it has to do with reward and risk and everything else. But I take some at seven, I take some at 12, 
And so I'm left with a final third of a position. And maybe it's one of those trades that's just going to go really well for me. And all of a sudden, I'm up about 80 or 90%. Well, why was I able to do that? Well, it was because I was able to reduce my position size so much along the way that it opened me up to being able to manage a trade with a far greater risk tolerance because there was a lot less capital on the table. And that's something I would have never been able to do if we were talking about a full position size. So a full position size, I might have been out completely at 9 or 10% and would never have had that final third of a position that I could have let run for 80 or 90%. I had that happen to me one time with SPCE. And I've had it happen a number of times over the years where you get into that final leg of the trade and because you were able to reduce your position size and thereby decrease your risk exposure and thereby increase your risk tolerance, decreasing the emotions, I know I'm saying a lot here, but because I was able to do all of that, it opened me up to be able to let the winners run for a long time. And so that's where I get to in the past when I was all in and then all out, I was losing quick, which is good, but I was also winning somewhat quick as well. What I like to do is lose quick but when slow, I want to be able to stay in that position as long as I can. And one of the best ways to do that is by reducing the position size along the way as the trade continues to increase in value. That will help with the emotions. That will help increase risk tolerance. That will help reduce risk exposure. All really good things. Okay, so that was his first question there. He also talked about hedging. And I think there's a lot of different ways you can hedge. I mean, you can hedge with calls. You can hedge with puts. You can hedge with ETFs, leveraged ETFs. And then he said that in one of the episodes, and I faintly remember this, you know, talking about, you know, how there was a situation where I held SQQQ and TQQQ. I don't know if it was those specifically, but let's just say it was. And so between the two, basically, you're not making much, right? And I was waiting for the market to pick a direction. Do I necessarily think that's the best way to do it for me now? No. What I tend to do now is use how long from an exposure term do I want to be in the market? So do I want to be 80% long? Do I want to be 100% long? Do I want to be 10% long? Going into a CPI report, I'm 5% long right now. And I'm 95% cash. Now, if there becomes a time where I'm a little bit more confident in the market's direction, maybe I up it to 10% and then 20% and then 30%. Maybe that's short. Maybe the market turns back lower again. I can start increasing my short exposure. Or let's say we hit a bottom and it's a very definitive bottom. We get a nice breakout. There's some good trade setups. I take them. I'll cover my short positions, and then all of a sudden, I'll be 30 or 40% long. And then as those positions increase in value, I'm at a point to where I'm ready to add another position to the portfolio. So now maybe I'm about 50% long, and then 60, and then 70. This is an example, but what I'm trying to say is, is that my comfort level with the market largely depends on the balance between long and short versus how much cash I want to hold in my portfolio. Now, I can also at times say, hey, I, you know, the market's starting to struggle a little bit. I want to have a little bit of short exposure to the downside so I can protect myself. And so maybe I'll buy, you know, Apple, Amazon, and Netflix. That those are the ones that I'm long in. I'm just throwing stocks out there. And let's say I between those three stocks, um, 35% long. So I have 65% cash. But let's say then I want to be short on Caterpillar and Royal Caribbean. So I have three long positions, two short positions. So I'm like 24% short, 35% long, the rest is in cash. That would be a form of hedging as well. So I really think hedging oftentimes comes down to what are you comfortable doing? How do you want to protect yourself? Do you want to do it through ETFs? Do you want to do it through buying puts? Do you want to do it by shorting stocks? How do you want to do that? And it really just comes down. I don't necessarily think that one strategy is better than the other. I really think it just comes down to what are you comfortable with as a trader? What do you like to do that 
puts you in a position to best be able to manage risk, best be able to handle the risk exposure in your portfolio. And then you go with that. There's other things that I'm thinking about right now. I mean, one of the things that, I mean, I've worked with them in the past and everything, and I haven't, I wouldn't say I've been dismissive of them, but I haven't been overly crazy about using them. And that's volume by price level. So instead of the volume being on the bottom of your chart, like most charts are done, they actually put the volume at various price levels on your chart. And so this is what I mean by you have to be willing to adapt. You have to be willing to implement new tools and strategies into your trading. And so price by volume is one that I'm looking to incorporate more and more into it. I haven't really done it too much, but I'm getting more familiar with them, getting better at identifying certain support and resistance levels using price by volume. And it's really awesome. I think there's a lot of potential there. And I know some of you guys are probably listening to this and like, Ryan, I've been using that for like five or six years. Well, I haven't. It's not that I haven't known that it was out there, but I've just never found a reason to incorporate it into my trading. And I don't have a specific reason for wanting to do it rather than I want to be a better trader each and every day. And if there's a tool out there, I think that might be able to help me, then I want to definitely incorporate that into my trading. So one thing that I would also encourage you guys to do with your trading is to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com. That needs to be incorporated into your everyday research. Man, guys, this is incredible stuff. You're going to get members-only videos from me each and every day. And these videos are content-rich, man. You're also getting watch lists from me. You're going to be getting updates on the market as a whole, on the specific indices, also on all the big tech stocks. Lots and lots of content that I'm sending your way each and every day. So check that out, Swing Trading the Stock Market. And if you have any questions, be sure to send them to me, ryan at shareplanner.com. I love hearing from you guys. I want to hear what's on your minds. And for the next podcast episode, I fully plan on getting back into the bourbon. But for this particular one, I wanted to get this done and recorded tonight, and I could only drink water, so I tried to make lemonade out of lemons here. So once again, Brian at shareplanner.com. Send me your emails. Thank you, and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the Shareplanner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world, with your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on Shareplanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. Thank you.